Happy Sunday, NodPod. Thank you guys so much for joining me for another Sunday Spin Snack. If you're new to the Sunday Spin Snack, it's a brief mini cast, solo cast episode released on Sundays, five to 15 minutes. And it is typically going to be whatever motivational moment I am sharing with my fitness classes during the week. One of my favorite things to do is check out inspirational and like self-help audiobooks and podcasts during the week and put together a little mini message for my classes while they're working out. And I thought, why not bring it to the nod pod? Why not bring it to you guys? Because it's one of my clients' favorite things. And so you guys might dig it too. So today we're going to talk about adjusting our narrative What is our narrative? Our narrative is a story that we tell ourselves about ourselves, typically, or our situation. So Sunday Spin Stack number two was about our identity thermostat. And so I would love for you guys to go back, check that one out if you haven't. But today's episode, and many of them, will be about raising the temperature that our identity self-esteem is set at. And I want to keep this quick. I'm not going to get in the weeds about the identity thermostat. Go back and check out Sunday Spin Stack number two. But this is along the lines of raising that thermostat level on our self-esteem and what we believe about ourselves. So our narrative is attached to a belief system about ourselves. And our belief systems affect so much of what we do, right? The choices that we make, how we feel about ourselves, whether or not we put ourselves out there for new opportunities. If we have these belief systems and they're often constructed around something that's happened or maybe even like the example I'm going to give you a job. So a friend of mine is an amazing spin teacher and she recently had a birthday and we were chatting and she said, I just shocked me. She said, yeah, I mean, I asked her how her studio was going, where she works. And she said, it's good. It's good. You know, I, I do feel a little embarrassed though, that at this age, this, you know, age she was turning, I'm still teaching spin. And I was so taken aback because this woman is really good. Like she's got a following. People love her. But it explained a lot because I've always noticed that she doesn't really. So social media promotion of classes is like a really big thing. If you're on the professional side of the industry, like if you're in a studio setting, it's really important to do. And she doesn't do a lot of that. And I've always wondered why. And that made sense as to why. I was like, oh my God, she's like embarrassed about it a little, which I'm not. I think we have a great job. And I, of course, said, I was like, dude, really? I can't believe that's how you think. I think it's amazing that at such and such age, you're still in good enough shape to keep doing this, you know? But here's how that affects her. It affects her financially because if you're not promoting your classes, it's going to affect your attendance. And we often get paid for how many people are there, right? And so like... Also, you never know what great opportunity could come from putting it out there, what, you know, what you do, right? Like you, you could get new gigs, you could be asked to teach like specialty classes for more money, you could be asked to record like online classes. Um, like one of my guests, Jama, that was how she was found by, um, by Echelon. And now she's huge. They saw her posting about her YMCA class and asked her to audition and it changed her life. So it's limiting her career-wise and financially. And then also, I'm sure it limits her with maybe even like dating. She's single. If she thinks like, oh, I'm just a spin teacher, you know, like it's limiting her a lot. So that's an example of the way that the narrative around this job isn't valuable or I'm embarrassed affects her. On the other hand, a narrative can affect us really positively. Like you guys know, if you've been listening to the show, When I first was getting clean and trying to get clean, I was super embarrassed about being an addict 
and didn't want anyone to know and was so ashamed and thought the years that I had lost were just lost. And it, and it, and it colored everything I did. I was walking through the world in embarrassment and shame and desperately hoping people didn't realize I wasn't driving. Why aren't you driving? Why are you taking the bus? And it, and it, and it just limited me because I was so embarrassed. And it limited me because I'm, of course, affected by low self-esteem when I'm applying for jobs or meeting people, right? So it affects us. Over time, my narrative around being an addict really changed, right? And I am super grateful not just to be a person in recovery and all of the lifestyle opportunities that that engages me in, right? In terms of like this endeavor, the podcast, meeting other addicts, you know, exploring spiritual avenues, like recovery has brought so much to my life. But even my addiction, I'm grateful for, like the depths of my addiction and how bad it got. I'm so grateful for those experiences and the way that they changed my life for the better. And I, you know, I'm more resilient. I'm stronger. I'm probably smarter. (laughs) um, And I'm definitely more grateful and happier, right? I think that the depths of our lows are directly related to the heights of our joys. And I experienced so much more joy, like even around the holidays. I was dope sick on so many holidays. And it's just such, you know, there's no pain worse than being dope sick around the holidays and just feeling like such a loser. And so now, really kind of regardless of what's going on with me, I'm just like, oh, look at this. I can go look at Christmas lights because I'm not dope sick and I have a car. Like, it just affords me more joy. And believing that and coming to understand that has released the shame. And so now I talk about it, I bring it with me, it's made me a better teacher too. So, and that is a direct result of my narrative changing into, wow, my addiction is actually a really good thing, I'm so proud. And now I carry that pride with me wherever I go, right? And it's, and it's opened up my opportunities in life. Negative narratives, especially around embarrassment, also lead us to get in our own way. And you may have heard that phrase in recovery before, like, Somebody will tell you, just, you've got to get out of your own way. And I never knew what that meant. And I just recently actually heard someone explain what that means. And what that means is you're so concerned with what other people think of you, you don't really do what you want to do and you limit yourself. For example, I only recently started a Chasing Heroin Facebook page because Facebook is huge. Everyone's on Facebook, right? Everybody's mom and grandpa and uncle are on Facebook and TikTok is more limited, right? And uh, TikTok felt a little safer. And then I slowly added Instagram, still feels safer. But adding Facebook and letting everybody see was just a little bit scary for me. And when I heard this getting out of your own way thing, I realized I'm in my own way by allowing what I think other people are going to think of me to limit how I'm promoting my show and my podcast that I love. You know, I got to let that go. And so our narratives can be a direct result of us, quote, getting in our own way. You know, we're afraid to put something out there. And so we're limiting the scope of our opportunities. So I want to help you guys reconstruct your narrative in a way that you can get out of your own way and feel better about where you are in life. So how are we going to reconstruct our narrative? We're going to do a narrative check comprised of three tests. So If you need to pause this and ask yourself, what is a narrative for me right now that is holding me back, that is limiting me? And the one that I'm going to work on and walk through you guys with today is with my podcast, with the show. I feel insecure about the show sometimes and not necessarily wanting to ask for like sponsors or big guests because I feel like it's like a smaller show and, you know, I don't have an editor or anything. I don't have fancy equipment like, you know, and it limits my 
it limits the scope of the show. So that's what I need to work on because I honestly, I just got on my Spotify stats back for that year end wrapped thing. And the show is like kicking ass. And I'm like, oh shit, like I should be asking more people, right? But I've still got this narrative around the show not being where it should be or as good as other people's. So here are the three checks. First, we're going to step back, look at it as though we were our friend. And what would we say? And I got to this by a friend of mine recently, a really good friend of mine. She had a cavity. And she went to the dentist and it was going to be like really expensive, even with her insurance. And she was like, uh, you know, uh, she put it off. And a lot of people do that. Like a lot of people put off dental health stuff. I do that. It's expensive and it's kind of a bitch to go and you might have to miss work, whatever. So she put it off. And some time passed and it got really, really bad and it became like an emergency situation and became more expensive. So she had to immediately deal with it and it cost more. And after this incident, you guys, you should have heard her like bagging on herself for being so irresponsible. And I can't believe I let that happen. I just wasted all this money. I do this kind of shit all the time. I don't know why I can't get my shit together. I'm so irresponsible. And it was like this narrative around I'm irresponsible. And she actually used to work for me at the studio. And she was talking to me and it was like breaking my heart. And I was like, dude, None of that is true. First of all, a lot of people let dental health stuff pass, right? This is common. This isn't like you're the only person that that let a cavity go too long and it became a root canal. A lot of people do this. It's understandable why it was going to be really expensive. You didn't know it was going to get bad, you know, whatever. And also, you're not irresponsible. You know, you worked for me for years. You were always on time. You always, you know, did your job and you're quite responsible with the way that you take care of your home, right? Your home is beautiful and it is. She's got like plants and crystals. She cleans it every single day. And I've watched her make a series of good choices in life. Like like she needed to maybe get a new car and she had a bunch of savings. So already there, check, you've got some savings. A lot of people don't. And people were like, oh, get a new one, get a new one. And she was like, nah, I want to fix the old one because it'll save me money. And that's what she did. She fixed the old one, saved herself a bunch of money. A lot of people wouldn't do that. That was responsible. So I was like listing the stuff off to her that I could step back and see that was directly in conflict with this narrative that she was spinning that was taking her down this shitty rabbit hole of, you know, what an awful, irresponsible person she was. So I stopped that with all the things that I was saying. So what we're going to do is step back, look at your narrative, as a friend, which means you need to factor in all of the things about you that your friends see and objectively ask yourself, is this narrative true? Is this true? What would somebody say to me about this? Like for me with the podcast, I could say, Janine, you just posted in your Instagram story that it was like whatever high, high percentage globally shared. Like I saw your stats. You just posted them. It's obviously not small. Also, you do this to help people, not necessarily be some massive show. You've always said that. And, you know, look at your reviews. You are obviously helping people. People DM you all the time and say how much you help them, right? You've got great reviews on Spotify and Apple. That's what I would say to myself as a friend. So I can step back and I can say that to me. So I can test this narrative. Is it true that it's not doing well? Is that true? So I want you guys to look at the facts. Is this narrative true? Am I bad at whatever? Is it embarrassing that I, whatever, step back and look at the facts that directly conflict your narrative. And this is not to say that we're not acknowledging that it could be a problematic area, but often what is simply a problematic area that could be worked on 
get spun into this disaster, especially somebody that's in recovery, we can catastrophize a lot. Because is it true that my friend should have addressed the cavity sooner? Sure. Does it mean she's some wildly irresponsible piece of shit? No, right? Like, and is it true that I could probably get some nicer equipment for my show? Sure. Is it true that it's failing and wasting my time? No. So like, that's what I want you to ask yourself. Is this actually true? Problematic? Fine. Something I need to not repeat? Fine. But can I extrapolate from that, that I'm some like worthless individual? And often in recovery, this is what we do. We catastrophize something and decide it makes us like worthless and less valuable as a human. So that's the first step. What would a friend say objectively looking at the facts that I know because I'm in it, right? So like, what are the facts? The second test is to ask an actual friend because somebody around you is going to recognize something probably that you don't. You know some of what's going on. And listen, I want to say this though too. Don't let this be a setup, right? Ask someone that you know isn't going to criticize you more because we all have those people in our lives that might criticize us more. And again, an addict thing, we can like go setting people up and get mad at them afterwards, right? Don't do that, you know? And I haven't actually done this with the show yet. I will, but I have another example, which is that when I was running the studio, I always felt like I was doing such a bad job. And I asked, I was talking to my mom about it once. And my mom is a great person for this. And not everybody's parents is great for this. So, you know, not everybody's parents are a source of validation. So don't go, you know, asking a parent if you know they're not going to validate you. But if they will, go for it. But like my mother, I was talking about the the um, the studio. And she was like, Janine, because I was focused on the financial aspects of things. She was like, Janine, do you know what you're doing with that studio? You're changing people's lives. And you're not just changing people's lives. You are changing women's lives. Do you know how hard that is to do? You are allowing every woman that comes through your class to walk out of there feeling more empowered and more confident in her body, which actually has a global impact because many women are sitting on solutions, but they're not confident enough to raise their hand in a staff meeting and say, this is my idea. You're empowering them wherever they are in their family life, in their home or at work to say, I, I, I got a good thing here. I got a good idea. I can help. I can be of service. There are literally like global impacts of what you're doing at that studio. And that was pretty cool when she said that. I had never thought of that before, right? So like my narrative was that I wasn't doing a great job, my, you know, and then asking somebody outside of myself. So that's just another example of that, right? Ask someone outside of you that you respect and trust. And then the last tool that we're going to use here is I want you to look back to a time that you were wrong in the past about a narrative. Like for me in college, when I was like 19, I was obsessed with step aerobics. And I was taking step aerobics at this little gym in Athens, Georgia, a women's gym, a women's gym in Athens, Georgia. And I wanted to teach step and I was terrified to like ask, you know, and I asked the woman who ran it and she of course was like, sure. Yeah. Cause I went to classes all the time and she's like, yeah. And she like walked me through how to cue an eight count and a couple of moves and said, put together a few eight counts to some music, come back, show me. And she was like ready to start training me. And I was so scared to follow through that I never even followed through. And so I just started avoiding her classes and I would see her in the gym and look away. And looking back, I'm sure she thought, wow, I wonder if I did something while I was talking to that girl. Why didn't she follow through? You know, like who knows what she thought? But I felt so, 
I just was so scared I couldn't do it. I was like, who am I to teach this class? And I just didn't even follow through. And now I know (laughs) I ended up being in fitness professionally. Like I would have been good at that, you know, and it could have been an even earlier jump start on my career. And like, it was a women's gym in a tiny town in Georgia. What the fuck was I afraid of? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, who was going to be judging me? And I look back and I think, wow, I feel bad for like the 19-year-old me who was so good at that, could cue the eight count, wouldn't even fall through, you know? And then I've shared with you guys before, I think in the last one, that I thought for a long time because I wasn't a homeowner that I didn't deserve a good relationship <laughs> because I wasn't like bringing property to the relationship. Who... I don't even know why I thought that, but I was only like 29, 30. And I was like, well, I don't really deserve like, you know, somebody with anything because I'm not bringing any property into this relationship. I'm like, I don't even know where I got that. But I look back now and I'm like, that was a crazy thing to think. I was 29 years old. I was bringing plenty to a relationship. I didn't need to own a home. right? And so like, here's my point. If I was wrong then... It stands to reason I'm wrong now and that in five years, I'll look back and be like, dude, you were crushing it with the podcast. You totally could have got whoever you wanted on the show. Why weren't, you know, why didn't I see that at the time? So that's what I want you to look at. When were you wrong before? You know, or this is a big one. Do you look back at pictures of yourself when you thought you looked awful and think like, damn, I was kind of cute. Like that could be happening again now. So that's the third check. You look back in your past. And ask yourself, when was I wrong before? When did I limit myself before and think I wasn't good at something? And I look back and I'm like, God, I wish I had known back then how well I was actually doing. And does it stand to reason that that is happening again now? So those are the three checks. Step back objectively. Say to yourself what you would say to a friend with all the facts that you know to be true. You can acknowledge it's a problematic situation. But is it true that it's been catastrophized into be like who you are, right? Versus just maybe a mistake you made. Secondly, ask an actual friend or family member, someone that you trust, hey, am I right here? Do I suck at this? <laughs> and see what they say. And then the third thing is, have you been wrong in the past? Have you doubted yourself in the past? And and you were wrong and you actually were doing something great. And, and so can you believe that maybe that's happening again now? And we can even take that a step further and say, do you regret that you didn't push something in the past? Will you regret you're not pushing something now, right? Because you might. So happy Sunday, Nod Pod. Thank you guys so much for listening in. And we will see you guys on Thursday.